Welcome to Nerds Their Own Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. No, I'm Sammy. And on this episode, uh, we're on firmer ground. We did Dwayne's little uh, escapade into music, cinema, film, whatever that was. Um, I'm getting us back on firm ground. This is our familiar territory. We're watching an actual movie. Mad Max Fury Road. And it was my pick and everybody's welcome. <laughs> that sweet, sweet guzzling. <laughs> Don't get addicted to the Aquacola. That's right. Well, before we get too deep into the desert here, um, I think we need to keep it one. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. So uh, I get to lead off keeping it 100 this week. And I'm so glad I get to do this. So let me start my timer. After years of petitioning, rumors, speculation, comic book fans now have the debut of Justice League, the Snyder Cut. And boy, howdy, was it worth the wait. With a four hour and two minute runtime, we finally get the depth of character that the DCEU fans have been clamoring for. The base story is the same, obviously, but there is so much more prominence on characters. Kirby's fourth world. We actually get compelling stories from Flash, Cyborg. We get more from Aquaman than my man, you know. So obviously, it's so much better. All of the little silly Joss Whedon moments are gone, and we get that kinetic energy that is Zack Snyder. Um, Just as the Ultimate Edition of Batman v Superman is the only cut I watch, The Snyder Cut of Justice League is the definitive version of this movie. No spoilers, but I will say that they leave this movie with a tease. And um, I think it would be an injustice if we don't get more. And that's why Justice League The Snyder Cut is my keeping it 100. I don't want to subscribe to another service <laughs> but that tease almost makes me want to subscribe to another service <laughs> and they don't offer a trial do it just do a month do month by month do one month twelve dollars i'm already gonna do it for dune so okay well not theaters should be open by then i'm seeing it on a big screen yeah yeah theaters are open right now uh, the disney uh, raya and the last dragon yeah. mm-hmm. uh, is the is supposed to be the big trial for theaters and streaming situations right now. To see Are they going to do a theatrical release for the Snyder Cut? As far as I know, not. This is an HBO Max exclusive. Mm. Okay. I may have to do it then. So. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, I'm a subscriber if you want to come by one evening. Uh, we may, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know that you're talking about over for four hours and two minutes. It was, well, well, some of that's, tra- you know, at the end, the credits. So, yeah. you know how that goes. <laughs> it's a lot of movie. <laughs> it's a lot of movie. Yeah. But it's worth it. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm up next. And <laughs> can be underwhelming now after that. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm uh, showcasing a comic book series that is still ongoing. It's a mini series called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. Mm-hmm. And I was going to do something else with this, but I reread the first issue today, and it's just so good. It's set about 40 years, into, 30 or 40 years into the future. There's only one turtle left alive. 
and he's wearing a black mask. And they save and talk the last page of the book to tell you which one it is. Oh, well. And he's being haunted by his brothers um, all throughout it. Maybe haunted. Maybe he's hallucinating. I'm not sure. But there's hints all the way through. So it's kind of like a little bit of a puzzle. You can kind of like go back. I was part of what I was doing. I was going back to pour through it, see if there was a way I could have figured out who it was. Because I didn't. I didn't figure out who it was. Um, now looking back, you know, it's interesting. Um, there's little hints. You, you, you could really figure it out if you're really trying. Um, but it's just so good. And it's like, you know, you know, a little bit of cyberpunk. It's a little dystopian. And it's just a really grim version of the turtles. And it's the last turtle on his last adventure. And it's, it's so good. Uh, so, yeah, last Ronin. Cool. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. So, do so do you feel like this is – so who who's the, the writer on this? Is it any of the originals or do e- – Eastman's doing it. Okay, Eastman's doing it. And I think Peter Laird is consulting. He's, he's helping some of them. So the two main guys are back with Tom Waltz, the guy who's helped okay. with the IDW series. All right. You know, if I remember correctly, they were big Frank Miller fans back in the day. Oh, yeah. So, so do we get lots of homage to like – Dark Knight yeah. and stuff like that. There's a dark, it's, it's got a Dark Knight feel. I was wondering. Okay. Yeah. It feels a little Millerish in the way you were describing yeah. it. So I've not read it yet, but I've heard good things. Yeah. Sam, you asked the wrong question. Who's the last turtle? <laughs> I know you're not going to say. And I don't I'll, to I'll say off air if you really want to know. I, well, I, let Sam leave the room. Yeah. Because well, you're not going to read this, but Sammy might. Yeah. We'll let Sam. <laughs> yeah, we'll let Sam leave the room. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm up uh, last on uh, the Keeping It 100, and there goes my timer. I'm going to pitch a podcast. Um, and this movie reminded me of this podcast. I kind of dropped it for a little while. I had gotten a little bit overwhelmed uh, with a couple other shows uh, that I've since dropped. And uh, this movie reminded me of this podcast because this podcast is the reason I've saw, I have saw this movie in the first place. Um, it's called The Film Vault. Uh, they're a... Uh, film review podcast much like ourselves but the thing is i'm surprised jamie hasn't already found them or went to join them because they do top five lists constantly <laughs> and which is totally his wheelhouse but uh, but uh, anderson cooper brian bishop uh, they're on uh, the uh, adam carolla network as they both uh, used to work for him and i think brian still does but uh, it's it's a really fun go they're a lot of language two guys in LA there's a lot of language uh, but it's really fun and they were talking about this movie and you know they actually have my favorite quote uh, which we'll find out later uh, is how I come to find out about this movie but uh, we'll get there when we get there and I'm going to end with 35 seconds left guys I'm leading off opening thoughts and grades All right. I love this movie it's been a long time since I've watched it but when I watched it this week, I watched it like five times. I think. <laughs> it, just, it was just it was just constantly on repeat in the background. If I if I wasn't doing something, if I was doing something, I watched it. I watched do it on lunch at work. You know, over a couple nights. Um, a plus. Uh, George Miller really got the essence of the Mad Max. And Road Warrior, and the good parts of Thunderdome. Uh, you know, we don't we don't have <laughs> Tina. You know, we've got quite a few strong females in here, but we don't have Tina Turner. You, know, you don't need another hero. We we we've got our hero. But is it the hero you think it is? I think that's going to be an interesting thing as we discuss mm. a little bit later because I think some characters in here really develop and and uh, 
the performances were really great. But I really feel like that he got it right. I mean, this is just so gorgeous to look at. I mean, you can put it on mute and still be mesmerized just with the visuals. And there's not a ton of dialogue. There was more than I remembered. But, I mean, you've got these ganked up, jacked up cars. You've got these really interesting looking people. You've got all of this crazy action in this beautifully stark landscape. A plus. Mm. Okay. All righty. Well, you know, when Jamie pitched this, I was really glad because I had watched it once but I had not really delved back into it, and I'd been wanting to. You know, the Mad Max movies had been a franchise that, you know, I, I remembered enjoying pretty well. You know, from Mad Max to Road Warrior to Thunderdome. You know, I watched them all, probably more of my TBS movie watches that we've discussed in the past. Um, you know, the originals were strange, but Fury Road is all-out frantic, plain and simple. Um a little disturbing in a few places if you let your mind go there and really think about it um morton joe uh but you know this time watching it i found myself making connections to the 2000 ad comic this feels like it could come straight out of 2000 ad at that post-apocalyptic landscape you know and that was a big part of the 80s anyway we saw that kind of stuff um so all that i think really worked well so, um, I'm going to go A-plus also. Um, this is hard for me to talk about in a different way than Stop Making Sense. Um, so, last week, I didn't have the facility to really speak intelligently about Stop Making Sense, about a, you know, music, you know, concert film type deal. Um, I'm completely in the bag for this movie. <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how to be objective about this movie. So this is an A plus for me as well. We're, we got another Ring of Honor. Been a while. Yes. Um, it's just gloriously weird. I I love mm-hmm. how bonkers this movie is. The world building is strange, but it's entertaining, and the story and the characters are so interesting that you just get wrapped up in it. And I mean, it's basically what two hour chasing. <laughs> it's yeah. great. It's a it's a two hour car chase with like three pit stops. <laughs> yeah, it's great and lots of fire. <laughs> and there's lots of great actors in this. There's good performances. I mean, they, I mean, they're doing bizarre things, but like they're doing it well. Yeah. Well, I was really uh, impressed with the what's her uh, Huntington Whitley. Um, the Splendid. 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 Yeah, with her. I mean, because I remember seeing her in uh, in uh, the the third Transformers, and was like, well, she's like a mannequin that, that breathes. <laughs> That and she actually had a little bit of emotion in this thing. She actually, you know... Lots of things went wrong in Transformers 3. I'm not sure who to blame. <laughs> well, <it's true>. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think... All, well, we need to get into the actual review part of the show before we do that. Um, so the, the next section is the fan section. Um, I don't think there were any fans in the Outback. As much as everybody was swimming, they probably <laughs> didn't have... <laughs> Sam, you lead off. All right. Um, you know, 
Fury Road, I think, definitely continues the feel. Even though I think it's billed as a prequel, um, at least on HBO Max, it says it's the prequel, which is weird because I can't connect those dots. I think it's supposed to be a side cool. Right. Between either one and two or two and three. Right. I can see it being between two and three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it has the it has the feel. It continues that really well. I think George Miller takes the action though to like eleven to use the Spinal Tap uh, reference there, um, because there's this literal driving force to the plot. I mean, from the moment the movie stops or starts, it doesn't stop. Um, I think it's a true testament to the director. And then when you look at look, I mean, just the idea of looking at his his filmography i mean you've got babe the witches of eastwick and happy feet all right and then you got mad max so uh kudos on this guy (laughs) i'm glad he got to go back to mad max he's wanted to make more yes for a long time and just wasn't able to get funding or whatever but he was supposed to direct a justice league movie i would love to see a justice league movie that would be very with some mad max feel to it oh that'd be awesome He, he would be a good guy to direct an injustice movie very much so. Let this imagination loose on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put that out there. Uh, well, I'm up next on fan, and uh, once again, I, I just don't—I don't know how to coherently organize my thoughts. I just love this movie. Um, I, but my my favorite thing is just how bonkers it is. Um, it is an exciting two-hour chase, but it's also just the weirdest two-hour chase scene that can be imagined. I mean, you think about it. I mean. He didn't just match the level of crazy from the earlier movies. Like, he leveled up. Mm-hmm. This is like boss level crazy. <laughs> We've got a guitar player on the front of a war rig. Um, drummer's on the back. <laughs> it's just, it's wild. We've got human blood bags. The, in, the vehicles are insane. The weird economy of this world. We've got a bullet farm. Apparently, their entire, their entire thing is bullets. They've got bullet, you know, bullets, hair pieces. mother's milk. Yeah, yeah I mean... I just I love how wild and just weird Miller's vision for the apocalypse is. I mean, everything's weird in Australia. <laughs> Miller's imagination <laughs> is weird in Australia, and the apocalypse is weird in Australia. And I, I love how weird it gets. Uh, even some of the disturbing bits are interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I'm up next, and I think you guys have uh, already you know talked about the biggest part is just the insanity of this movie. Uh, but my specific fan, and I love how they reimagined and took the, the car fights to the next level. You know, um, there's so many different ways that they use cars as weapons and uh, tactically, uh, strategically. You know, they have, uh, you know, they have, you know, refueling stations. They have uh, the the ones who you know go under the vehicles they have the, the ones with all the spikes all over them um you know like a little armadillo hedgehog looking thing you know you have your war rigs you know like your command centers or whatever they use and you know, they're using harpoons and they're speared each other and they've got these spears with grenades on the end of them or whatever that blow up you know it's just insanity you know and on a vehicle and uh, i love how they tuck that and you see the tires and uh, how they've you know, shredded the sides of them to make them almost like weapons or you mm-hmm. know, just put more rubber on them to make them tougher and uh, stuff. Uh, just hodgepodge together, you know, 
the vehicle with the the, the main war rig that uh, Furiosa, Charlie Theron's character, is driving, you know, has two engines, you know. And I remember, you know, hearing cars and trucks with two engines and stuff, and you know, it's it's almost like they took this big, humongous Cadillac hot rod and turned it into a big rig. Yeah. And you know, they're stacking cars on top of each other, uh, and I love how they're using them as. Uh, I know when. Uh, Max is strapped to the front of Nux's vehicle, and uh, they get the flat, and he says, move him to the back, we need ballast. You know, it's almost like a boat. You know, they're like they're like having, you know, like like these weird little things, and you have your gunners and harp and spearmen and stuff. It's so interesting and so fun. I love how imaginative they got with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to save one thing for a little bit later on, but uh, there was quite a, quite a bit in here that really just was like, you just can't take your eyes off the screen. You know, you have, like you're talking about the economy of the world, you know, you have the breeders, you had the, the, uh, you know, the women hooked up to the milking devices, you had them, you know, dumping, dumping whatever they were dumping on the people um, there at the, at the thing. And all of the weird albino guys, the war boys going on, but just the car fights. And that was so insane. I would have hated to have seen the budget that they used for vehicles on this thing. Well, if you think about it, it, it's like Cirque du Soleil, you know, meets motocross. (laughs) You mean, I mean, really? I mean, even with the dirt box, you know, jumping over and throwing the grenades down as as they're going over top of each other. I I love the pendulum pole guys. Oh, yeah. Like they had the the, the engine blocks on the bottom and they were swinging back and forth and the guys on the top with it. It was just... (laughs) It's literally mad. I mean, it's right in the title, mad. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much. I mean, all those vehicles have so much going on. Like oh, yeah. every every time I rewatch, I find something new. Yeah, you mm-hmm. see something else. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, the guitar player. You know, he's got like this. I mean, the nine hundred speakers behind him. And he's, <laughs> you know, on these bungee cords, bouncing up and down with his guitar. These bungee cords bouncing up and down. There's a spear on the end of it and a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, I don't think they needed a pan. There in the was probably room. some pans hanging off of some of those vehicles somewhere with all <laughs> it, of the mess that was going on. It looked so hot they could just put it on the on the top of the car. I think it would have just cooked anything. Just cooked anything. Let's we'll see if we can find a pan. All right, Jamie, you're first up, and this is your pick. You have a pick. I do. Um, the scene with Splendid's baby is a little much. I had a baby brother. He was perfect in every way. <laughs> yeah, the way that the doctor person um, conducts the C-section there, and then the way the way he handles the child, and just that whole scene—it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I find that scene very uncomfortable. Yeah, there's, there, yeah, that's, that that is pretty disturbing. I, yeah. I, I do. I do. However, I mean, it is moving. I guess where you hear, you know, when they say, you know. He was perfect in every way, you know. And, and then, you know, Rick just, uh, you know, shouts out to the to the legions, you know, and how they honor that. That was that was pretty interesting. But the, I mean, it's the combination of the, the visual of the of the way it's shot is disturbing. But it's the, for me, what what make, what puts it over the top and makes it a pain. Like I don't need this. Is the way that the guy who did the thing reacted. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so casual about it and so cold and just detached from what he's doing there. Right. It, it, it makes it extra disturbing. Yeah. And I, I don't need that. 
We got enough, we got enough <laughs> to start bringing the rest of this movie. It's fine. Say, we get it. The apocalypse was really bad in Australia. <laughs> I was going to say, it was not an, an undisturbing movie. Yeah. It, it, is this the apocalypse or Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was, the, the, uh, the organic mechanic is how he's titled on IMDb. So that probably explains quite a bit. The yeah. organic mechanic. Nice. I remember it being a really interesting name. There's a lot of interesting names in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just to check out some of them on IMDb. There's, it uh, gets into a little bit there. <laughs> well, well, I'm next up, and, and it really, my only pan, you know, I know there's a lot of intense. I know there's some really graphic scenery and stuff, but my thing is I think this movie's about 30 minutes too long. How dare you, sir? <laughs> if I mean, I don't know. And really, I was just looking like, I don't know if the ch- if if you know they needed all of the chase or all of the, like the the through the mud and stuff. I mean, it really, I mean, it builds the tension and stuff. But it's a lot of it's a lot of stinking movie. <laughs> it's, it's over two hours. Um, now remember, I I pitched Justice League. That was four well, hours. That's, so you know. that, that's on you. You can you can watch that if you want to. I have I have HBO Max, but I'm waiting for Dune. And uh, but uh, yeah. I don't know about a four-hour movie if, if it doesn't have uh, Lord of the Rings in the title. But, uh, <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, I mean, I don't know. You know, It, it seems like there was a few little things they could have trimmed up. Uh, and it's just hard for me to, to think. And even with some of these others, like, okay, it's, it's Mad Max. It's, an, it's, you know, it's late 70s, 80s action genre. Over two hours? You know, it's just a bit. But yeah, that's that's really, and it's not really even a pan, you know. I, I watched the whole thing, and I watched it multiple times this week. So let's let's carry on. I'd watch a three-hour Miller cut. <laughs> I watched it twice, so yeah. I at least watched this one twice. <laughs> I, I watched this so often, I could have not rewatched it this week and been fine. Yeah, I mean, I think in all honesty, I know I said I watched it like five, but I, in all honesty, I think I watched it probably at least two and a half, maybe three times. I think I rewatched this about once every six months. Just love it. Yeah. Cool. All right. So as far as my pan, uh, it's really just a little small thing. Um, you know, here we are in the midst of this society the way it is. You know, this whole kind of fallout situation. I mean, people have radiation burns and, and things growing off their skin. Okay. Harry and Larry. Yeah. But somehow they still have the technology to be able to type Max's blood to know that he is a universal donor. Um I mean, maybe it's just me, but I'm scratching my head going, okay, interesting. And, you know, I know it works for the plot. It pays off later with Nux and, in, well, in the beginning with Nux and then Furiosa at, at the end. You know, so it, so that, that whole thing pays off. But I just, I wonder how they did the blood typing. You know, we, we, we did it in, in high school, and according to everything I did, my blood type didn't match either parent. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> I had questions at that moment, but, you know. <laughs> Maybe in this apocalypse they know it. They know it by taste. Okay, which, which blood type is which? That could okay. explain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yep, yep, yep. That's oh. <laughs> a little too much iron. Cleanse, cleanse, <laughs> cleanse the palate. <laughs> well, one thing I know this movie deserves, if for nothing more than just the uh, imaginative hot rods, is we could definitely hang some awards 
We definitely need to hang some crumb on this thing. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. And I'm leading off with Best Performance. I had a really hard time with this. Because I wanted to go one of two ways. But I wound up in a completely different direction. It's not often that I pick a bad guy as best performance. But he really kind of turned out to be a good guy. Nicholas Holtz Nux, I think, really stole the show. You know, you have Charlie's Theron. You have Tom Hardy. Powerhouses. Beautiful people. Enormous presence. Man, Nicholas Holt's insanity as a war boy. A comma crazy war boy. A Fukushima comma crazy war boy. <laughs> Fueled up on high octane feral blood bag whatever. Oh yeah. I mean, just he he really had uh, quite a journey there. Uh, I, I really dug his, his turn. And it, yeah, he just ended up owning almost everything he was in see i I have to go with Dwayne. that's where i went um you know when i think of nicholas holt sometimes he plays very understated roles Mm -hmm. he can be a little quirky sometimes um but this the the role of nux was was a a bit of a departure for me for him um and he did really well really good on the i I remember the first time i watched it and going is that nicholas holt is that is that and and then the, the I was like it is that's beast and, yeah, it's beast that's yeah. what I mean I kept going it's beast seriously <laughs> but you know and it just worked he, he had more hair uh, but you know it's just, I think it worked really well um, I just thought his performance was great and it just brought me in and he had an arc you know and I appreciated that he did have an arc as a character and the the scene when he's <laughs> He's called Mediocre by Morton Joe, and he's devastated. You believe it. Yes. And then you see his little sparking romance with one of the wives, and just the whole thing, and like, and his, his death scene. I mean, he really sells it. Really I sells mean, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, I think there are three right answers. Um, I, would, I, give, I would give no one any grief if they picked him, uh, Tom Hardy, or Charlize Theron, who I'm going with. I just think she's so great in this movie. Even though it's called Mad Max, I'm glad they put Fury in the title somewhere because mm-hmm. it's Furiosa's movie as much as it is Max's movie. Mm-hmm. And she's so good in it. And um, she's had hits and misses with action movies. <laughs> they don't always go well or attended very well. Reindeer Games. Uh, Aeon Flux. <laughs> uh, Atomic Blonde. I mean, they're hit and miss. Um, but... She's so good in this movie, and I completely buy her as Furiosa. And I, I, I get her desperation to get away from a Morton Joe's town, tribe, cult, whatever that is. Um, and her, and her, just her, the way she sells Furiosa as a character, I just, I love it, and I completely buy it. Yeah. You know, if you think about the story, is almost a Furiosa story, really. I mean, the the whole arc of the movie is her trying to get back to her home and and take the wives and then they end up going back because they realize that's the only way to survive is to go back this to the citadel so well miller's next movie is supposed to be a furiosa Mm spinoff i'm just wondering why they've already made a furiosa movie yeah yeah uh but now she was very interesting but and you know i know you said you know got the name in the title but you know 
it's Fury Road was the road that they were traveled to, you know, the Bullet Farm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, and, you know, Furiosa, I, you know, that's her road. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. I really liked the way they done that. It was really cool. Yeah, she did excellent. All righty, Sammy. Best scene. <laughs> All right. You know, in previous episodes, we've uh, jokingly talked about scenes that we love that make up a like large portion of the movie like a whole third uh if we think about um the quiet place like the whole last third of the movie i think some of us said was the best scene right i don't know who would do that um winter soldier i mean there was a whole section of the midpoint that we said was one of the better scenes i'm feeling attacked um I did the same thing, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> but so for Fury Road, for me, it's the whole series of events as the war rig is heading back to the Citadel. You know, it's just so dynamic. I mean, it is flat out crazy. Um, like I said, like I said a minute ago, it, it's like this fallout version of Cirque du Soleil. And, and there's just something about it that's just so intriguing and so just kinetic. Um, you know, Jamie, you talked about the, the 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 pole guys, the pole riders or whatever they were, the vehicles that we talked about, the explosions. I mean, this was crazy stuff. And it did not let up. From the moment they decided to turn back to the, to we finally get to the Citadel and everybody says, bring them up, bring them up. You know, it was just nuts. And I, and I loved it. And I probably could have used this for another award that we've got later, but I've been a different way with that one. I think on dictionary.com, beside the word frenetic, is a clip of that, like a 30 minute clip of that chase. Yes. Uh, I went a different route on this one. Um, <laughs> I think it's like Max and Furiosa's meet cute. When he first, like, when he gets up out of the sand, he goes up to where the, the war rig is parked, and there's the whole showdown. Um, and the way that the wives interact with the whole thing. I, I, I love that scene. It's just, it's the way they fight. I mean, the whole deal, it's just, it puts a smile on my face. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a good scene. That That's a good scene. But I'm, you know, I'm so glad you went with the ending car chase mm-hmm. because I mean, it's great. And I'm glad you went with a personal, you know, interaction there because I'm going with the initial car chase when they realize she's not <laughs> going to the bullet farm and they send everybody after it and then the other guys are coming to you mm-hmm. know the, the marauders are coming at him too and it really because what it does is it establishes how these vehicles are going to interact mm-hmm. how they're personally going to uh, you know interact from vehicle to vehicle to person uh, combat also it sets up a big story oh the baby mamas are in the Mm -hmm. the breeders are in the cargo hold here and it brings up that whole other dynamic and uh, you know you see the distraction there uh, which causes uh, you know some damage to the war rig uh, but uh, that really just sells it to me that really sells this movie to me that that first interaction from there till they drive into the sandstorm you know uh, and in that sandstorm I mean it's just gorgeous beautifully filmed beautifully choreographed uh, put together yeah I think the combination of the two scenes that, that you and I picked I mean the that first chase shows how competent 
Uh, Furiosa is. Yeah, yeah, it, yes. it, yeah, it establishes the vehicles, establishes their characters, yeah. And then when Max and her finally have their big showdown, we, we, we get a more of an idea of who these people are. Mm-hmm. Not just that they're you know weirdos leaving <laughs> the <destroying laughs> apocalypse. That we get more of an idea of what they're about. Right. How desperate Max is, and you know he's willing to like you know I don't care about any of you all. I just want to get away. And we see it Furiosa, her determination to save these women and deliver them to where we learn eventually they're going. But you know, she's all about her mission, and Max just wants to get out. Yeah. I, I just I, I just love that the way that they, once we're that's probably about forty minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. By mm-hmm. by the end of that movie, we know who everybody is. Everything's established. Now we're ready for the next hour and 20 minutes of car chases. Right. <laughs> well, we establish who they are. We've got Bane. We've got Catwoman. We've got, you know. <laughs> and honestly, even even Tom Hardy with the file, that is just the weirdest looking moment. When he, shh, 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 it makes me laugh every time. I, do, I laugh every time. And the look on his face, it just works so well. Like, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Before we move on, I've got a question for you. Is this just a dude movie? My wife watched it with me one time. She refuses to watch it with me ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. Probably so. Okay. If any of our female listeners wants to chime in, please do. I would be, I would, honestly, honestly, I would, I would be curious. The female, yeah. the female viewpoint on this, yeah. I had not had the opportunity to... Uh, to watch, I tried to uh, to arrange something with the wife this week. Uh, we'd have a few minutes to watch it, and it just fell through. So I, I still have no idea of a female viewpoint on this. Well, I tried. We had like one evening we were gonna have some time to spend together. I was like, "Do you want to watch Mad Max? You know, Free Road with me?" And she was like, "I'm all set. No, nope. uh, that's fine. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> hard, hard pass." <laughs> Well, our, our next award is Best Character, and this is where um, we did some of the uh, Sammy Oscar rules. I'm going with Nux the War Boy. <laughs> Love him. I mean, he's got the best character arc in the whole story. Um, he's got his weird pals growing on his shoulder. I mean, just his yep. his his little romance with the redheaded uh, bride, whose name I can never remember. I think I think she was Dag. Was, the, was it Dag? Was she the Dag? No, I think Dag's only called everybody Schlanger. Okay, the real I, pale one. I know Toast. Was uh, Zoe Kravitz? Yeah, and then Splendid. she had real short hair. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I think Dagsman looked almost albino. I mean, they, uh-huh. the way the way they had painted her up and dyed her hair so light. Yes, she yes. she was super pale. Mm-hmm. I think she's Dag. I don't remember. Let me drop my phone. It, it doesn't matter. But I, but like, their, their little romance. I mean, yeah. it was really cute. I just I, I like him. I, I like the capable. Capable. Okay. Okay, that's the other one. Yeah. But I just I like him, um, and the the way he goes from being like the full blown cult member, you know, Valhalla. I'm awaited at Valhalla. Witness me to the end where he's given up on all of that. He's turned his back on his his cult leader, and he looks at this woman he's fallen in love with and says, "You you witness me," as right. he gives his life so that they can escape. I just I, I love his character. I love everything he goes through. It's cool. Well, I'm gonna jump in here. Uh, my my favorite character. I'm, I'm just going with strictly favorite character in here. It's not something you guys want to expect. His name is Chris Patton. And I call him Mediocre Marsoff. <laughs> <laughs> because at that point in the movie, you know, you see him, you know, take the arrow to the face and the chest and things. He's laying there. And, and Nuck says, you can do it. Get up. And you're like, he's... And then he gets up. And, and huffs the chrome... <laughs> And dives in and I was like, and then everybody goes, and he goes, what? Uh, you know, and I'm surprised we haven't done that like 10 times already. <laughs> so witness me. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, 
<laughs> I, I love just that little scene and just it shows how crazy you know and and you know the, the, the comic the comic crazy mm-hmm. you know that these guys are doing and and that just cracks me up so much you know he's you know you can do it and he's so witness me so witness and he dives into the thing and he's taking two of those you know bombs in there with him and then the slit uh, Nux's guy throws another one in there and then this other guy looks at him and says mediocre Marsov <laughs> 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 it's one of the better names. Yeah. So yeah. so he's a uh, you know, Marsov is now mediocre Marsov to me. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Jamie pulled my my Nux. I'm pulling his Furiosa for <laughs> uh, best character uh, because once again, I think she has an interesting arc. You know, Furiosa is probably one of the you know we get the idea that she's probably one of the most trusted and respected members of Immortan Joe's group um, I mean she's driving a war rig you don't see a lot of other women um, who are driving rigs and doing all this kind of stuff they're, they're, they're kind of placed in other roles and so to have her doing this um, and then the fact that she betrays him you know, taking the, his wives away, uh, wanting to return to her home. I think that gives some depth to her character. And, and I liked that. I thought that was pretty cool. I, it, there's a question I've always wanted to know, and I, this, they're never going to tell us, but like, how did she not end up one of the brides? Because even, even bald, she's not an, an attractive woman. It uh, could be where, where she's maimed in some ways and has to have the, the arm. Mm. And so he doesn't see her as as a perfect specimen. This whole thing could be Maybe. because e- even think about with Rectus. You know, I had a baby brother, and he was perfect in every yeah. way. So they they respect that uh, that ideal perfection mm. type of situation, and that you know the, the, with the wives, you know, they were attractive women. You know, the fact that that maybe where she had to have, you know. Uh, kind of the, the her arm missing and that kind of thing and she had had the the whole appendage thing I mean he could have just seen her as not whole yeah interesting so pick your on to something my take okay <laughs> alrighty well I am uh, best next up with the best quote <clears throat> there's only one mediocre <laughs> and that's where <laughs> that's where uh, the uh the, my keeping 100 ties in um, Anderson Cooper he's got a great sense of humor uh, on that show and he uh, when this movie comes out he probably and to this point on he'll still pull out every now and again he'll be reviewing something and he'll just go mediocre you know and, and just and I was like okay I need to check this movie out and that so I love it when they you know they judge witness me and they do you know this right. crazy thing and they'll say witness witness you know they see him and then somebody will say that's eh, mediocre <laughs> just so so see even without the internet they're trolls <laughs> yeah well i had to go with one i thought was funny you know I, I like funny quotes so at one point where there you're kind of a moment of, of downtime so to speak um Toast looks at Furiosa as Max is walking off, and she goes, what do you suppose he's going to do? And Furiosa replies, retaliate first. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. I like that. I almost went with the end of that scene where uh, Furiosa's like, 
it's not his blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with another Max uh, line. Actually, not another. It's the only Max line we've yeah, used so far. Um, but it's when he's trying to talk him off the salt flats. And he says, uh, he's talking to Furiosa. He says, you know, hope is a mistake. If you can't fix what's broken, you'll uh, you'll go insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, says the man who's been having hallucinations all this entire movie. Somebody else needs to fix what's broken. Yeah. But he's speaking from you know personal experience there. He's broken and he knows it. Yes. Um, and I think I think that's why my hunch is that this is between the first and second movies because he's a more whole person in Road Warrior. Yeah. And the the, the events of the first movie really break him. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're supposed to think that this movie, the events of saving these wives and Furiosa, and that's that cult compound, um, are what sort of put him together enough to be who he was in the Road Warrior. Um, but I, I love that line. I, I love the way he delivers it too. Like he can't even really. He's still struggling to put it all together. Like you'll uh, you'll go insane. Uh, <laughs> you're a little crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, our next award is best. Even the apocalypse is weird in Australia. Thing. So, Sammy, what you got? Okay. So I went a little bit a different way with this. Okay. You know, we've talked about how just amazing this landscape was. You know, but then when you start thinking about it, this is supposed to be a post-apocalyptic landscape but this is australia and it fits perfect <laughs> it's australia you know and and that that's that's really crazy in my you know it's like you know now we see new zealand as the epitome of middle earth it's like australia is this wasteland and, and no offense if we do have any australian listeners uh but i just think that it, it it is interesting the bleak nature of the topography when we think of australia a lot of times we think of the populated areas we think of sydney we think of the opera house you know but this is the other side of australia that sometimes we don't see or i guess when the fires were going on we just kind of saw from helicopters but um but just, I just thought that was weird, the fact that this landscape fits so well mm-hmm. for this environment, um, for, the, for, for like I said, the, this fallout type of movie. And so... The, yeah. the set dressers didn't have a lot to do. No. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love the meme that has a little itty-bitty animal on the guy's thumb, and it's got the claws and the teeth out, and it says, not every animal in Australia can kill you. He says, oh, don't get me wrong. He wants to. He just can't. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know just how inhospitable and crazy that place is. Yeah. Or, or they, they've got the, the scene with Shelob, and it says, going to school in Australia. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, that's great. Oh, goodness. Well, I, I'm going to go with um, apocalyptic fashion. Um, there's the special girdles the brides are wearing. Um, there's a Morton Joe's his girdle thing and then the face mask he wears there's everybody wearing leather <laughs> in a, a radiated you know australian outback um but my favorite <laughs> weird fashion thing was the sort of like british lawyer bullet hat thing that the guy from bullet town was wearing <laughs> did, did he not even have bullets for teeth I, he was chewing on because, bullets because he pulled yeah because he pulled one out of his mouth and it shows him and there's a gap in his you know. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I, I, I didn't take a. I didn't you know pause it and get really close, but I was like, it looks like. Yeah, but the I don't, wouldn't want to get really close. Yeah, I didn't, no. I didn't want to get really close. and I don't even want to talk about the mayor from uh, from Gasoline Town. Uh, that, there's a whole lot going on there, and I'd uh, rather yeah. not even think about it. No, the people leader. Yeah. 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 Yep. It was a thing. Like I said, there are parts of this that are really disturbing <laughs> if you think about them too deeply. <laughs> well, you know. 
the apocalypse is really weird. And we've already talked about Australia, how the, how the disparity in, uh, you know, topography mm-hmm. and, and, and animals and things go. And that's, and that's my best for this award. People are either really, really beautiful or really, really jacked in the apocalypse. <laughs> you know, they're either really beautiful or really ugly. I mean, you have these these gorgeous, beautiful specimens in, in, in the Breeders and Brides. And even, you know, the war boys, though, they're, you know, albino or painted white or whatever, you know, I mean, their physique, you know, mm-hmm. attractive. I mean, Tom Hardy, hello. You know, and then you have, you know, and Morton Joe and the, you know, the bullet farmer guy and the, the people are, you know, they're really, you know, some jacked up guys, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it goes from zero to a hundred, I guess. <laughs> Even nuclear radiation does weird things in Australia. Right. Because <laughs> the half, the half-life war boys look like they're in great shape except for the few tumors floating around. Yes. But like, yeah, they're, they're the half-life war boys. I mean, there's, <laughs> they're supposed to be, yeah. They're supposed to be like nuclear irradiated. All of them are, you know. Glowing in the dark. Yeah. Or glowing in the daylight on here. (laughs) Yeah, really. They just glow. (laughs) Well, the last award is the best action scene slash moment. And I was kind of, it was kind of a setup. We've already made the joke several times. It's one, it's one action scene. The entire movie. (laughs) But I'm going to go with, I lost count, the third or fourth leg of the car chase. Uh, Sammy already picked it as his best scene. It's the when well, they're down to the final. It's the first part of the war rig, and there's all the craziness, the frenetic craziness all around them. Um, it's people are f- dying, they're flipping around, things are exploding everywhere. Like suddenly everything is like you know in monster trucks. The tires I think it swelled up even bigger for the, <laughs> the last chase. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. wild. All right. Um, you know, I think with me, I, I kind of went with best moment, you know, instead of best best action scene. I went with best action moment. You know, when I first heard, okay, Mad Max Fury Road. All right. I was probably like most people. Uh, you're making a Mad Max without Mel? How are we going to make this movie without Mel Gibson? Come on. Um, so the first scene right off where Max is captured by the war boys and he's trying to get away that really showed me what Miller was going for in this new era. And and I bought it. I needed that opening scene with him trying to escape and kicking them and, and, and trying to grab the hook and then pulling him back in. I needed all that. It, it, it almost felt like a horror movie in some ways. And I think we, once again, we needed that because it set off that kinetic pace right from the beginning. And, and like I said, I think that was necessary. It, it, it sold it for me. Witness. <laughs> and, and I think it was genius to cover his face for the well, first 30 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. It gives us time to buy him as Max before we see a face that isn't Mel Gibson. It isn't Mel Gibson, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Jamie, I want to thank you very much for dancing around. Uh, and and I and after the, a comment I made earlier, and I saw the enlightenment on your face, and you cut into it. But thank you for dancing around. Uh, what what is a, 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 a small moment that after a, you know the initial watch I thought was much more in the movie, but it's really only that last leg of that race when they're going back to the citadel, and they're they're have they're they're assaulted on all sides. You know, it's just the final gambit. Let's just throw everything in the kitchen sink at it and you got the guys on the poles <laughs> i love the ingenuity of the guys on the poles and how they go from back and forth you know he they go down and, and get 
one of the girls and mm-hmm. he just right over and just drops her into the other vehicle and uh you know they're, they're going down and throwing grenades in and coming back and getting reloaded or you know that he's got max and he's you know about to drag his head on the ground as they're all the way down um I, that was a, a very another very ingenuitive uh way to uh add a lot of tension to this already tense movie uh by you know, putting that in there, I thought that was pretty. Ingenious. Miller's got an interesting mind. He's mm. he's got yeah, he's got some ideas, don't he? He's yeah, got I'll some think. ideas. Well, you know, an an actor who does have some ideas is our Keanu. I, I I don't know where he would fit in the apocalypse. We do know that he's already saved us from the machines. These aren't thinking machines, you know, these vehicles. But I mean, he would. I could definitely see him captaining a V eight. A big war rig, but as he rides down Fury Road into glory, how does he land in the Citadel? Where does he connect? All right. So this week's Keanu connection is a person who's had an interesting career as a producer. There is an international reality show I've never heard of that I'm really curious about now. Thanks, IMDb. <laughs> it's about driving through intense obstacle courses. I think there might be a connection just there uh, to Fury Road. Um, there's also a, a weird variety of TV shows. The, this producer worked on the very dark Mindhunter show on Netflix, but also the comedy Girl Boss. Um, there's some movie variety as well. Um, there are action movies like The Old Guard, A Private War, Atomic Blonde. There are also comedies like Murder Mystery, starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Also dramas like Bombshell and Monster. But in addition to an interesting producing career, Charlize Theron drove the war rig as Imperator Furiosa Mad Max Fury Road. But way back in 1997, before she produced anything, she played Keanu's wife in The Devil's Advocate. Charlize Theron is this week's Keanu Connection. Love it. She's got a lot of producing credits. That was a, yeah. that was a surprisingly good movie. Uh, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting a lot from that when I watched it. Uh, the Devil's Advocate was great. Uh, it's uh, Al Pacino. Yeah, I think yes. that's the first thing I saw her in. Yeah. I don't remember seeing her anything pretty, before that. Pretty early on, yeah. I think I saw her in Two Days in the Valley before yeah. that. But, Two Days uh, in the Valley was the first thing I saw. Yeah. I've never seen that. It's not terrible. Okay. It's not great. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, with that ringing endorsement, I may never see it. <laughs> well, it does, have, uh, it does have Ultron in it, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I um, hope you have enjoyed uh, our uh, review of Fury Road as much as we've enjoyed gushing over it. I know some of these episodes where we have desperate points of view can get really interesting, but you know we also love to have some fun and just gush over something that's great. And this oh, was yeah. a, this was just a ton of fun, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope uh, you guys uh, have enjoyed uh, watching that with us. Well, next up, we've got something very interesting uh, happening. Um, as one of our hosts was near traumatic, um, I think really having some some night sweats and stress issues about a certain <laughs> movie that was in danger of being rolled uh, on our roll. Uh, we we have uh, went a little bit of a different direction. We're going to start bringing back some news episodes pretty soon. But before we get into our news episodes, Jamie, why don't you explain to us uh, what we're going to be doing next? Well, um, there, there are two reasons we're doing this. Um, one of them is my deathly fear of watching Hawk the Slayer. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention this, but you threw me under the war rig. Um, I didn't make many names. 
It didn't, I don't think it had to be. Saying. Witness here. Witness. <laughs> Witness. Mediocre. Uh, I forget which. Mediocre, Jamie. When we did this, but you all, you all showed me the trailer to Hawk the Slayer, and I was like, oh no, we can't ever roll this. <laughs> so we had one roll slot left before we kicked into the new schedule. <sighs> and so I pitched something to replace the, the last roll. And so we're going to, and this, and the second, the second part of the uh, idea for this, something that Jim said. On the High Fidelity episode. He said that High Fidelity was one of his Mount Rushmore movies. And I'd never thought of in those categories. Like, what are my Mount Rushmore movies? I, you know, I rank things. I've, I've ranked movies before. I've ranked my top favorites. I was like, what's the... Because Mount Rushmore has, like, you know, a connotation to it, you know? So I was like, that would be interesting if we all did that. And so next week, we're going to discuss our personal Mount Rushmore movies. And we're going to... Um, hopefully, we'll get some discussion on Facebook, too. Maybe some of the followers on the, fa- the, of the Facebook group will also, you know, say what their Mount Rushmore movies are as well. But we're all... We're different guys. We're into different stuff. And so I'm really curious what makes everybody's Mount Rushmore. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I, I don't know if anybody on Facebook wants to see all three of our faces on something. So... Well, no, our face is not going on a Mount Rushmore ever. We, I'm not speaking for the rest of the hosts on the show, but there's at least one face for radio in front of a microphone right now. Um, but we're also going to have a surprise extra Mount Rushmore on the episode. And so there's two Mount Rushmores. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm really excited to get into this. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's it's something I hadn't really thought of either. I know there's some movies that we that I always go back to and refer to, but this is pretty interesting uh, way to tackle that. Well, guys, as you think about some of this, as we think and delve into this, as we go to the mountain, Jamie, what are we going to do? We're going to make our list and check it twice as we keep it nerdy. Mm-hmm.